Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this morning, as we discuss encouraging one another, Lord, help the words that I say be the Holy Spirit moving through me so that we can be transformed and convicted and changed so we can become a church filled with encouragers, not just encouraging ourselves on Sunday morning and each other, but encouraging during the week, encouraging our coworkers, encouraging people in our schools, encouraging people that we don't want to be around because they're difficult. Lord, help this be a morning where you open our eyes, open our hearts to what your word says in the book of Hebrews so that we can gather together on Sunday morning to be sent out to encourage each other. Help us not forget that this week. Lord, use me, not the words that are written on the page, so that, that we as a church can be used to encourage our community. We say all this in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, I'm John Mueller, lead pastor at Sunlight. Um, this is the only joke about my weight loss that I'm gonna do this morning, because I still can't get over it. I saw three people this week, and all three of them didn't recognize me, and I had to tell them what my name was. It was kind of awkward, because once it was at the library, and I'm like, hey, and they're like looking at me like, strangers talking to me, what's going on? And I'm like, it's John Mueller. They're like, oh, oh. Anyways, really awkward when you keep getting not recognized. So today we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. This series is called Friendology. And friendology means the study of friendship. So we're going to study friendships because we have a question that, that we always need answered. How are we going to treat one another? How am I going to treat other people? And I'll tell you our default. Our default is how we were raised. So if you grew up in a home where there was like negative sarcasm, you're going to treat people with negative sarcasm. If you grew up in a home where you didn't talk about things and you had conflict, you're going to have that when you grow up. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can change. And so the question, the question is going to be answered, how are we going to treat one another? So we're going to talk about encouragement today specifically. And we're going to focus on this because that is something we all need. The moment we are beaten down, we need encouragement. So I'm calling this, this sermon Encouraging Proximity. Because I see some of you, if you notice, if you look around, people kind of sit in groups usually. And if you're sitting by yourself, that's okay too. But people sit in groups. You find other people to sit with. And so there's this thing about encouragement. You have to have proximity. And so it's hard when you're not in proximity to, to others. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about my life right now. I think my wife is allergic to me, okay? She's pregnant, and so when I come near her, she doesn't like how I smell, okay? I, so just being bold about it, you know? It's not, she actually read this, so it's, not, it's no judgment, but she doesn't like how, maybe sometimes it's what I ate. She doesn't like any form of nuts right now, okay? The smell of nuts. I don't know what it is about nuts. Um, the other thing she doesn't like is beef. So if I eat like a hamburger, she goes like this. Step away. Okay, all right. Sometimes I think it's just me. And then sometimes I think it's just the time of the day, you know? 
She woke up. She doesn't like how I smell. I don't know. So it's hard to be in proximity with someone, let's say with chronic halitosis, aka bad breath. You know, you get really close, the person that sits right next to your face and starts talking and you're like, what's that smell? And you're like, oh no, I think I just said that out loud. They're right next to me, right? (laughs) Those are hard things. So proximity requires an encouragement, requires overlooking sometimes how people talk, how people look, and sometimes how people think. But most of all, you need to overlook how they smell. Something I learned while I was in social work was no one likes to shower when they're in a group home. They just don't. Aaron would know. So no, you walk in and you're like, what is that smell? And it's everybody. It's not just one person. So you got to watch out. Proximity is something we can't live without. There's reasons signs of affection between people are kisses and hugs because that requires a close proximity to the other person. There's, there's physical contact. And so, I was encouraged just this last week, and I want to share with you a little bit about last week. I was encouraged by four others that ran a 5K with me. I've got a picture here. This is before we ran, and I'm going to show you the after we ran picture in just a second, because it's a little different, just a little bit different. But I was running this race. Um, it was the Indiana Donor Network 5K, and I was running it because my dad had received a kidney transplant from a donor network, and I was like doing it in honor of him. Think about this. It took me seven years to do something to kind of memorialize what I went through with my dad because my dad passed away seven years ago. And so this was, this was a big deal to me. One, my weight dramatically changed over the summer so I could actually do it. Because before the summer, I probably would have limped along and walked the whole thing. And so it was fun to be able to have some of my friends run this with me. And so let's, let's go to the after picture. So this is the after picture. We're still smiling, right? I, there's no change. That was good, right? You thought it was going to be really dramatic. No, we didn't die. Nothing happened crazy, except for the fact that everyone let me win, okay? I got to tell you a story here. This was encouraging to me. Frank there, he's all the way on the left. He's got the Navy hat on. He got lost. He was ahead of me. He got lost and did an extra mile and a half, and I was really excited because I was like, hey, Where's Frank? Oh, he got lost. I'm like, I won! I won! (laughs) He was being very encouraging by getting lost. He didn't know I was going to say this today, but thank you, Frank, for getting lost. Um, And then then Rachel is a great runner, but she was injured. So I ran against an injured runner, and I still beat her. So it was good. You know, she would have beat me any other day. So the thing about encouragement is sometimes you have to laugh at yourself. You know, sometimes you have to realize that all it takes is just running a 5K with someone. None of those, none, no one there, except for Rachel, of course, really regularly runs a 5K. It wasn't something we all like, oh yeah, I run a 5K every weekend. We just went and did it. And so we needed to be in the race together and we needed encouragement. And so the, the point I'm trying to get at is encouragement requires you to step into someone's life and actually do something about it. It was hugely, it was huge and very encouraging that I was able to run with other people. You also need to run the race together. You know, when we got to the end, we're like, okay, so where's so-and-so? And we're like, okay, so we'll cheer right before the finish line. And I remember Jeff was getting to the finish line and I went to throw him a water bottle and he's like, no! Because he was trying to finish, right? And I was just trying to be encouraging. You know, sometimes encouragement's not the right timing too. So sometimes you need water after the race, not in the middle, you know? And so I want you, I want you to know 
that encouragement requires you doing things together with people and being things together with people. You can't be an encouragement to others by yourself. It's impossible. And it's not always just verbal. We're gonna talk about verbal a little bit, but it's not always something you say. And so I knew that my team had my back. I knew at the end they really had my back when Frank got lost and Rachel was injured because I won, right? No, sorry. They really had my back. I knew they wanted to encourage me. That's why they were there this mor- that morning. And I knew they also wanted to encourage each other because we all, when we got to the end, we were all still smiles. We were excited to be there. And so this morning, we're going to see that we have that same need for encouragement on an everyday basis. And in Hebrews chapter 10, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, starting verse 23, the Jews needed encouragement because their newfound faith in Jesus Christ was being attacked. It was being attacked from the Greeks. It was being attacked from inside. There was this assault against their beliefs. The Romans were trying to stop them. They needed to encourage one another, and they needed it because they faced it every day. Now, every day isn't a 5K, but I think most of us, if we were talking metaphorically, would say every day is a race. We wake up in the morning, and within the first five minutes, you decide whether you had good sleep. How many people had bad sleep last night? Let's start with bad, okay? Few people are honest. How many people had good sleep? You you say good. How many people had okay sleep? So you guys all made a decision when you woke up today how you feel when you wake up. And so every day is a race that you need encouragement from. I've got this Fitbit here, and it tells me like, oh, you had this much sleep and this sleep cycle. It really scares me because when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh, it was bad sleep. It's like, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> and so sometimes we need to wake up and say, I'm not going to decide how my day is going to be until I'm in the Word of God. I'm not going to decide how my day is going to be until I meet for coffee with a friend. I'm not going to decide how my day is going to be because sometimes we miss the fact that it doesn't matter how we sleep. It doesn't matter what happened, how many times our kids woke up. It doesn't matter if we're late to school. It doesn't matter what happened, but we still have the same hope that we had before. So Hebrews 10, and I'm only going to read three verses, 23 through 25 this morning, says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, as all the more you see the day drawing near. Now let's look at this for a little bit. This is, this is a very short section, but it's also one of the favorite, my favorite passages in the entire New Testament. If I were to take the whole New Testament and I would break down my favorite passages, this would be in the top 10. You know, ESPN has top 10. This is like in the top 10. And so we're encouraged to hold fast and be intentional about our hope. This hope from the context is Jesus Christ. We can't hope in anything else that's going to give us what we want and what we need. So we need not to waver and live without conviction. You know what's interesting? I find in sports, coaches, they live with lots of conviction, sometimes too much conviction, and then they get ejected, right? (laughs) I mean, recently I watched someone that had a lot of conviction about this one call in a game, and he was speaking another language, and literally, they're just going like this. There's a security guard just pushing him off the field, like, just keep going, you know? He ended up getting a three-game suspension, but he had conviction. He was like, no, you're wrong, (laughs) you know? And he was willing to, to, to deal with that. So... 
Conviction and not wavering is ongoing, though. And so four observations I have about encouragement. One is encouraging one another is verbal. You can't just sit on the sidelines and pretend like you said something. It's got to be verbal. This, this culture that this was written to was a Hebrew culture, and the Hebrew culture was an oral culture. They talked to each other, and they told stories to each other, and, and the, this confession that they're talking about had to be verbal, the confession of hope. It's not a written document, because some people couldn't even write. Some people couldn't even read. It was, it was, it was something they said. Sometimes, and maybe I'm not the only one. Sometimes there's something I know I need to say and I don't say it. This is what this is talking about. This confession of hope is something that's said. If you leave a compliment or encouragement to yourself, you're just omitting an opportunity to help someone. And so when we encourage one another, it has to be verbal. We have to confess. Speaking and encouraging to one another about our hope. The hope is Jesus Christ. The hope of glory. It says in Colossians, that's how it's worded in Colossians. We're asked to be faithful because God is faithful to us. You know, it's really hard in this day and age to stay faithful. I just read a, a stat based on the U.S. Census that uh, less than 35% of marriages reach 25 years and less than 6% of marriages reach 50 years. Some of that's death, maybe. 6% reach 50 years just mind-numbing to me. People get married older now, so again, that might be part of the, the statistic, but God has been faithful to us, and if you're older than 50, for more than 50 years. Think about that. God has been faithful to you for longer than 50 years. He fulfills his promises to us, and that's why encouraging one another is also active. You can't sit on the sidelines, you can't, you can't be a sub in, the, in encouragement. You have to be encouraging actively. Our, our culture is not as verbal as the Hebrew one was, but we're still called to confess the hope. We're called to active encouragement. It's not something that we just kind of do when we feel like it. It's like we're actually looking for encouragement. We're looking for opportunities to encourage. And I remember, I was a, I was a college ministry leader, and I knew this one girl in our college ministry was kind of awkward. And I remember one time thinking, man, I just need to tell her, just encourage her that, you know, God's got someone for her. I was dating someone at the time. It wasn't like it was like totally plutonic. I was like, you know, God's got someone for you, you know? And she started crying. This is at our college ministry in front of everyone. She's crying. And I'm thinking, all I said was something very simple. And she's actually friends with my sister-in-law, so I get to see her still. And she goes, man, that was a big deal. This is 10 years ago. Like, we have an opportunity to say simple things that are super meaningful to other people, and that's why it's an active encouragement. When we're active in our encouragement, we become known for something, that we're an encourager. Who doesn't want to be known as that? Anyone? Maybe, maybe, maybe we do. I don't know. I mean, encouraging one another is another thing that we don't think of sometimes. It's waking others up. Let me explain. Verse 24, it says, it talks about intentionally noticing ways, in verse 24, to stir up others to love and good works. We're stirring up one another. I always think of when you wake up 
teenagers. Every youth retreat I've ever been on, there's some kid you have to wake up, okay? And you go in the room and you kind of just shake them a little bit, shake them up. The thing is here when it's saying stirring up, you're actually provoking them to movement. You're encouraging them so they can stay the course. You know, in this 5K I ran in, there was a point where we doubled back and we had to run back through the race. And so as, as you're passing people you know, you're giving them a high five, like let's go, let's keep doing this. And everyone finished the race. Well, when we're thinking about ourselves and we're not encouraging others, we're not doing active encouragement, we're not, we're not waking others up, we don't give a high five, we just keep running the race because we're like, I only got so much breath for me. <laughs> I can only last so long. But it's not really that hard to put your hand up and give someone a high five. Stirring up others is about provoking, shaking people to action. Notice, be thoughtful how you can encourage others to love well and serve others. Sometimes it's just inviting someone and saying, hey, I'm doing this service project or I'm going to Turning Point over at the homeless shelter and you know, would you come with me? What's the worst thing that can happen? They say no. I mean, it's not really that hard. But you can wake others up. The other thing is, encouraging one another is living in proximity to others. So you can't encourage one another without proximity. And I already shared this a little bit. We can't be negligent, and I'm using, I'm using the, the word I think encompasses what it's saying, negligent in gathering together with other believers in Jesus Christ. We can't be negligent in that. We can't encourage others if you never have contact with them. Think about it. This whole summer, the hardest thing for my family on sabbatical was going to different churches because guess what? You never really get connected. I mean, I knew the pastors of the churches generally, but I never really was able to, to put down roots and say, this is a place I can encourage because guess what? That wasn't what that part of the summer was supposed to be. You know, I come back and I'm like, this is, this is where... I'm going to sit and I'm going to encourage because I'm in proximity to others. Every single one of you are in proximity. You're closer to people than myself. Sometimes, sometimes there's this mentality of, well, the pastor needs to do this or the pastor needs to do that. Guess what? If you know about it, you have an opportunity to encourage someone. It doesn't have to be one person. It can be anybody Remember this, that the word of God is not just for the pastor preaching on Sunday morning. It's for you each and every day. So there's a warning here that we need to have a habit of meeting together. Those that miss, people have fallen into that. Our culture suffers from something. Oh no, I've got a, it's an acronym, FOMO. Is there FOMO? Fear of missing out, Right? So today is a great example of this. I was wondering what I would walk into on Labor Day at church, right? So Labor Day, this is a great camping weekend. It's a great weekend to be at the lake. But guess what, it rained this morning, so guess what? You guys are here, right? So because you have the fear of missing out. Like, it seems like, and I, I grew up, I, I'm confessing this because this is the way I was for most of my life. It seems like if there's something on Sunday morning that's better, then I'm going to go do it, or I'm going to get drawn to go do something else. And, and we fear missing out, so we miss church, and we give our children every option, option but gathering with believers. We're teaching them and training them 
to not be able to encourage other people. That's, it's as simple as that. And so instead of that, what this passage is asking us to do is still have FOMO by showing up to church. I'm fearing that I'm going to miss out on a sermon and being with other believers and being encouraged on Sunday morning so that I can get through the week so I can come back, be encouraged, and encourage others the whole week. So that's the fear we should have is like, I don't know, but I'm going to miss out on something great because I know the Holy Spirit is moving through the church and I believe Jesus' church is the only place I want to be. So as we gather together, we are actually impressing, impressing into someone else our encouragement. Anyone have a gel pillow, like the, the memory foam pillows? You like put your hand in it and then it leaves a handprint. It's really cool. It's like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what we're doing when we encourage someone else. So do you want your handprint to be kind of like a dagger towards someone else? You're discouraging people. Or do you want your handprint, the impression that other people have of you, to be one of encouragement, so much so that they live the whole rest of their life realizing that one moment going, man, that person was an encourager. God really worked through them in my life. You know, someone I can think of that that did this for me was Roger Andrews. About now, it would have been almost five and a half years ago, he was interim here for a year. He came back, was preaching with me a couple years ago, and he was always encouraging. I mean, I've never heard someone that every word out of their mouth was encouraging. Sometimes realistic, but encouraging. And so that's that's what we all need. We all need an encourager in our life, but we also need to encourage others. So I'm going to ask you to do something this week. It's a little bit more spontaneous. Think of who that person is for you. If you can't think of anybody that's encouraging you right now, you gotta seek that person out. Maybe humbly go to someone and say, I just really need some encouragement. Are you willing to talk to me? The other thing is, for that person, you have to realize that you're both in it for the same reason. You have to actually have real conversations. Not talk at each other, but actually ask each other questions. Communicate, listen, and go back and forth. That's something we miss. So then, if you have that person, you also can focus on encouraging at least one person a week. Before you leave this morning, encourage one person. Just say something nice. Maybe there's a need you know about, and you can fulfill that need this week. Just do one thing. We need to get out of our own head and mind and start being intentional on how we encourage others. So, when you come to Sunday mornings, think about this. This is another way you can do this. Send a friend a text, say, hey, are you coming to church this morning? Simple as that. Maybe, they, maybe you see them sometimes, maybe you don't. Remind them. Not having a, an attitude, and this is hard with encouragement, you're so good at this. That's the opposite thing that we want to send because it's like, oh, you're so good, you're so good. But you need this. You need church. You need to meet together. Hold fast. Stay faithful. Because what does it say? The day is coming. And that warning that all the more that we need to gather is is an urgency. It's an urgency that sometimes we don't have when it comes to meeting together as the church. When we sing praises earlier as we were singing, you know, I sit up front. And the best thing about sitting up front 
is not that you're closest to the stage because everyone's afraid of the stage, right? You guys sit further back. But it's the voices. When the music slowly dies down a little bit and you hear the voices, it's like being in heaven. You get to hear that, and that's an encouragement. And there's an urgency to that. So don't forget that you need encouragement and you need others. No matter your personality or disposition, you need others. No matter if you really only like saying two words a day, you still need someone else. Maybe you just need to listen to someone. Whatever you need. Next week, we're going to start a series called Circles. And this is a great opportunity to meet together regularly and talk about your personal ministry, who's in your circles. It means that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a ministry in your personal circles. It may be the person that you see at the convenience store every day. It may mean just asking a question while you're at the checkout at the grocery store. It may mean at lunch at school you decide, I'm going to sit with someone I've never sat with before. Whatever it is, it shows up differently. Your circles, your personal circles, your family, your work, your school, and your community. Those are, those are areas that we need encouragement as we come together to meet, but it's also a place that we can be encouraged as, as we go out. So we are encouraged in that moment and encouragement as we go out. So this is not really an observation, but I, I think this is really important. Active encouragement requires a sensitivity to others. If you're not sensitive to other people's needs, you're not going to be a good encourager. If you're not realizing what people are going through, you're not going to be a good encourager. And it is so hard though, right? As I walked in this morning, as a pastor, this happens all the time. As I walked in this morning, I've already heard about five different things that people are going through that were really, really hard stuff. It's hard to be an encourager because all the time we're beaten down. Satan's attacking us with different things that gets our minds distracted from the most important thing, which is encouraging one another. Shannon earlier, I'm so thankful that she was able to share this morning, talked about people being sensitive to their needs. And she didn't even like put it in that context, but that's what it was. People were sensitive to what they needed and God continually provided. And I think many times... We hear something and say, I can't do anything about that. Instead of like, maybe I can make a few phone calls. Maybe I can, I can try to think about this. You know, I'm not skilled in this, but maybe there's someone I know that's skilled. You know, if we all looked at our Facebook friend list, there's someone we can message from 15 years ago. Come on, let's be honest. Someone we've met before. So there's a warning here, though, about this, about this encouragement. The warning, you might be asking, is the day that Jesus Christ is coming back. Don't forget to meet because he's coming back in victory. And when he comes back, he's going to be the victorious king defeating his enemies for all eternity. This is, this, is, this is huge. So why would Hebrews, written almost 2,000 years ago, give an encouragement that says the day is coming near? Because God doesn't work the way we do. He's not in time. He's always been, always was, and always will be. And so it is near. So when, when you think something's not near, if you think about it, to him, all of us passing on to the next life is near. And so we really, really need to meet with an urgency for that. So, 
So what? what? What's the big deal about these three verses? Why is it so important? What is, what is so important about encouraging one another? Our encouragement to each other is verbal, it's active, and it wakes others up. No one wants to be asleep. If we're honest, those of us working in a career know at least one person we work with that is kind of asleep all the time. They're just kind of numb emotionally. They're really struggling. Maybe they've had a huge loss in their life. And they're just numb. Well, maybe this week is the opportunity where you can take them out to lunch. You can encourage them in some way. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, he's talking about someone else, but I think that's me. Maybe that is you. May the word of God here wake you up to realize that that we are here for mutual encouragement. We're not here to come on Sunday morning, listen to someone speak, and sing some songs. And I'm I'm a horrible singer, so I don't come to sing. I mean, that's why I stand in front too, by the way, so no one can hear me. So I don't come to sing. And honestly, I don't come on Sunday morning to preach either. That's not the point. We need to be woken up to what God's doing. And God is continually weaving our stories and what he's doing, we are getting to be a part of when we step in in faith and decide we're going to gather together to be encouraged for the sake of Jesus Christ. Which leads to the second so what. Our encouragement to each other can only happen living in proximity. You know, they say now the average person goes to church 1.8 times a month. I love how it's 1.8, so maybe every other month they kind of change the weeks. 1.8 times a month is not nearly enough time. Let's just say it's two. So say it's two and a half hours, three hours of your month is the time you're going to be encouraged and you're going to go into your job, you're going to go into your school, and you're going to be discouraged the entire week. But three hours a month, you cling to that. This passage is saying, we need to gather together as much as we can so that we can be sent out into the world and be an encouragement to everyone we come in contact with. We need to be the people that stop on the side of the road because we see someone with a flat tire. We also need to be the people that are looking around after church and realizing there's a couple people just standing there waiting for someone to talk to them. That's who we need to be. Because proximity is how you can encourage. You know, I I love technology, but it's really, really hard to encourage when you're distant. There's only one way, and that's prayer. This morning, I received a text message that there's a bunch of us pastors that text each other, and it was just one pastor praying over all of us, another pastor praying over all of us, another pastor praying all over all of us. And I'm just so encouraged because I sit here and I'm like, wow, there's a guy in Maine praying for me and a guy in Colorado and there's a guy in California and there's a guy in Chicago. I'm like thinking, well, Chicago's not a state, okay, Illinois, but Chicago's like its own state, let's be honest. We're distant, but the only way is through prayer. Maybe this week it's, you shoot a text message to someone and say, I'm praying for you, and this is what I prayed for you. Don't leave it at, I'm praying for you. We just talked about praying for one another last week. So who are you going to verbally encourage this week? If 
you're taking notes or closing your eyes to think about this, close your eyes and just say, okay, I'm going to verbally encourage and blank. This is the person. Do you regularly tell others that you love them, that you appreciate them? That's hard. It sounds simple, but a lot of us just don't do it. This week, in your own way, use words to encourage others. Find, that, find, find what you need to say, what you need to do. So how can you actively look to encourage others? You know, the first thing I look for is facial expressions. You know, when someone's crying in a public space, I saw a video and they were doing a test and basically it was a, a social test. When someone's crying in public, people do, just like the Good Samaritan, they walk around that person and try to get away from them. They don't ask them how they're doing because I don't know that person. That's a stranger. Why are they crying? We need to be people that go, I'm going to step in because that's so important because that person may need Jesus and even if they don't need Jesus, they need some encouragement right now. How are you actively looking to encourage others? And how are you God's instrument to wake up others to what he is doing? Have you ever had a moment where you can say, whether it's to your children, whether it's to a friend, whether it's to a coworker, and just say, man, I really see God working in your life. And that person responds with, I don't see anything. In fact, I don't know if God's real. And you go, well, God did these things. So are you going to be an instrument to wake others up? And so really, this is the question we're going to be asking all fall. Who's in your proximity? Who is close to you? Who's in your proximity? Some of you may travel for your job, and you may be traveling hours on end every week. You may be driving all across the United States. There are people in your proximity. There's, there's someone you're talking to every day. Who's in your proximity? Make an encouragement list of people that you're in close proximity to. Make a list. Just say, these five people, I'm going to choose to encourage this week. And much like Steve said last week, which i praying for one another was two weeks ago, but Steve said last week, maybe the first encouragement you're going to be someone else, don't be annoying. He said that last week. He said, just, I was trying just not to be annoying. Maybe that's the encouragement you need. Just don't be annoying. Think about it. The other person's going to be annoying no matter what. You can't really change that. And so maybe you just need to encourage them by just not being annoying. Don't make other people do what you want them to do. Allow God to work in their life through you by encouraging them. Let me, let me pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, as we opened up your word, there is an urgency to us gathering together as believers in Jesus Christ Help us to have hearts that are fear of missing out on the power of God through Jesus Christ and his church. Not afraid of anything else. Not afraid of missing out of a sporting event or something else. Just God, help us to be people singularly focused on encouraging one another as the day grows near where Jesus comes back in victory and defeats his enemies. 
Don't let us get distracted. As we walked in the door this morning, there's any number of distractions. Help us to stay focused on Jesus Christ. Help us to stay focused on meeting together and encouraging one another so that that we can fight the battles we have all week, the battles we have on Sunday morning as we're getting to church, the battles that we're gonna have as we go to lunch today, the battles that we have with our extended family. Lord, help us to be a people of encouragement. Help us not to forget to meet together and to remember the urgency that you have put within our hearts as we follow you. We say all this in Jesus' name.